Parts of the recording have been amplified due to how far some of the guests were sitting from the microphone, so pardon the quality, but enjoy the show. Hello everybody, my name is Drake Pittman, and this is Pass the Jar. Welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Today we have several special guests in here. Alabama's most haunted. I know two of them very personally. I went to high school with them. They are Kevin Walden and Sean Harris. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? <laughs> and we have Jonathan Gilbreth. Howdy. And his wife, Rachel, who is also Kevin's sister. Hi. All right, so Kevin, thanks for coming on. Right, thanks no for problem. bringing the whole crew. Right, I'm, I'm glad you did. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys have been popping off like, recently, haven't you? Oh, yeah, a lot more than we were anticipating, really. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, Alabama's Most Haunted, obviously you do paranormal investigations. What kind of got you started into your interest in the paranormal? Well, I think personally for all of us, we've all kind of been interested in it from a young age. Uh, what really got us into... Going out there and doing it, though, we had to do a report for um, school. And it was a visual report on something you've never done before. So uh, there was like a marathon of ghost adventures on sci-fi uh, that week. And we thought, you know, well, why don't we go try that out? So, uh, you know, most people when they think ghost hunting, they think, well, let's go to like a graveyard or something. Nah, we, we shot straight for Old Bryce in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> the most haunted place in Alabama other than Sloss, more than likely. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, we really didn't know what we were doing, so we just kind of gathered up what we thought was ghost hunting equipment, you know, cameras, audio recorders, and uh, we made that long trek to Tuscaloosa there. I was riding with a guy that we barely knew because he wanted to jump in on it because he was interested. And, um, yeah, we get there... And well, we had about like four steps in the door, Sean. Yeah, we were there for maybe two minutes. Yeah. Uh, when we first pulled up the place, if you haven't ever seen pictures of it, it looks like it's straight out of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Long driveway, creepy old building. We come pulling up and like it looked like there was a shadow in one of the windows on the top floor. He kind of backed up away as we walked up. So I was like, that's either a ghost or a hobo about to stab us one. <laughs> so, um... We get about four steps in the door, and the guy that I rode with that we barely knew, he lit up a cigarette, and he turned around, and he flicked it out real quick, and he said, well, boys, we're going to jail. And we all kind of look outside, and there was a state trooper pulling up. And we come outside, we all got our heads hung down low, and he's telling us, you know, you boys are going to jail. This is government property here. You trespass, and you're going to jail. And we were all 17 at the time, so we were all pretty... Scared about that, you know? Yeah. Like me and Sean here, we were already working out. Okay, you call your mom. <laughs> you tell her you're staying at my house. Yeah, uh-huh. plus it didn't help. He told me I had a serial killer name. Yeah, true. When he saw my license, I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, this dude, he added to the horror movie effect to it. Because this dude propped up against his car, was looking at the place, and like, this place caught fire back in the 70s. I wished it would have burnt to the ground. <laughs> and... Um, 
So anyways, finally after 20 minutes, he let us leave. And we were like, you know, okay, that was that was something else. What do you guys want to do? So we went straight to Sloss. And uh, luckily the gates were open, and there was a couple of security guards in there, and um, I think they had been drinking rather heavily that night. <laughs> yeah, safe to say. Oh, yeah. And uh, they kind of come up, they're like, well, what are you guys doing here? We're like, just wondering if maybe we could, you know, do some ghost hunting. And the guy was like, I'll tell you what, we'll be here until about 1 to 2 in the morning. You guys go do what you want. If you're not out of here by then, you'll be locked in, basically. So we were kind of sitting there like, well, maybe that ain't such a bad thing. We're trying <laughs> to do this ghost hunting thing. <clears throat> so uh, they give us a quick tour of the place, and uh, we did the investigation. And, I mean, just some of the things we were experiencing there and feeling, and when we got back home, went over all the evidence... I was like, man, we, we might be on to something here. So uh, we took the report to school, showed it to everybody, and everybody was sitting there like, you guys are crazy. We would never do this, ever. <laughs> and then uh, the question came up from some of the classmates, well, where are you guys going next? And, uh, you know, we hadn't really thought about it, but after that, we just kind of took off with it. We've been doing this for like 12, 13 years now. Forever. About the time since we graduated, probably. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So back to Sloss, you were featured on a popular ghost hunting show, weren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, their first season, Ghost Adventures. Old Zach Vegans looking like he could bitch press a ghost at any given moment. Uh, they actually found some of our content on YouTube and uh, contacted me about being interviewed. And uh, I was trying to get Sean in, and I can't remember why he couldn't make it. I think I was on a trip to Tennessee or somewhere. Yes, yeah, something, but... Uh, yeah, they called us up, we met them there at Sloss, we did the interview, and uh, they were asking me about one thing in particular, what was done in the boiler room. I'd gone down there to do an isolation session, session, uh, and while I was down there, I had my camera and my audio recorder, and both of those just died on me. Well, my only source of light was my camera light. I didn't have my cell phone with me, I was going just in there, and so I was in pitch black. And my first thought is, okay, i got to feel my way out of here. Well, as I'm thinking all this, all of a sudden, it felt like something slapped me full force across the face. So that prompted me to kind of scramble out of there a little quicker than I was anticipating. And uh, I meet back up with the crew, and I tell them what's happening. They're like, we can tell. I said, what do you mean? They took a picture, and there was a handprint on my face. I mean, just blood red, basically. But what was weird about it was it was cold to the touch. It wasn't warm like you would expect a slap to be. It was actually cold to the touch. So it was it was strange. How was it? Was it nerve-wracking knowing you were going to be on national television? Even though it was just for a few moments, was it just, like, stressful? Oh, yeah. Whole drive up there, I'm like, man, I'm hope, I hope I'm not sweating too much, you know. <laughs> Do we get makeup? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I had my long John Lennon hair at the time. I was all like, does that hair look good? That hair looks good. And um, I just, as soon as we walked up and met them, like, I, I couldn't talk. I was so nervous. And I was just like, <laughs> like any normal human being that's not groomed to be on TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you did the Sloss and the Bryce investigations for school, what, when did you decide I'm going to build a whole team and start doing, you know, other places. 
Well, basically it was like word of mouth, you know, um, people found out we'd actually gone out and done something like that. A lot of people came up and had questions about it. They were asking us, you know, well, what did you experience? Is it real? All this stuff. And, you know, we just kind of told them the things we would experience and hear. And a lot of people said, you know, I want to go with you. And, um, you know, originally it was me and Sean. And then my sister, Rachel, she actually got in on it because she was like, that sounds cool. I want to try this out. And um, Jonathan, I can't remember where we picked him up at. He was kind of like a stray dog on the side of the road. And, you know, we saw him. was like, eh, we'll give him a shot. He needs a home. Yeah. As long as he doesn't try to murder us in our sleep or anything, we'll, we'll give him a shot. And, um, you know, as far as being a group, um, at one point there was at least 12 or 13 of us. And uh, just over the years, it's kind of dwindled down into more of like a tight-knit circle. So, um, you know, my wife, Kayla, she got in on it. Um, the first experience she had was when we were shooting a pilot episode for a different project before Alabama's Most Haunted. And um, she had never really experienced anything until then. And after that, she was like, I want in on this. That was insane. Once you got your set crew and you knew you wanted to make this like a side side full-time gig when you started thinking about what all you needed what kind of equipment for anybody that's interested in this what kind of equipment do you need to get like the perfect dial in instead of just like a stupid phone app like you see most people using uh definitely invest in a night vision camera uh they work wonders uh just watch your battery on them because the night vision drains them very fast um, a really good audio recorder. Uh, you know, you can record audio on a phone, but it's it's just not the same as having an actual audio recorder. Um, we've used... Uh, Rachel purchased some dousing rods, and um, I was kind of iffy on those when she first bought them. I was like, I, I don't know. I've seen them. I don't really know how they work. <laughs> but um, we used them at our last investigation, and it actually we actually had some responses through it. Um, yeah, mostly just cameras, audio equipment, um, EMF detectors, EMF detectors, you know, K2 meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our favorite pieces of equipment is the spirit box. And, um, for those of you who don't know, basically it sweeps through radio stations at a very fast rate to where all you hear is just a little bit of static. And at times it can be an annoying sound, just and uh, the theory behind it is that spirits can use that white noise to communicate with you. So if you hear like a response to a question or full word or full sentence that lasts longer than that sweep, then you know you've got something. And over the years, it's it's proved to be a very useful tool. Yeah, especially when it like keeps responding to your questions, and it's you can tell it's not just like radio interference. It's uh, one of our favorite things to use, really. So is it pretty cool when it actually picks up something? Is it you're kind of like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless it's something like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever gotten any threatening, like, audio where um, you did feel threatened to where you, like, get the hell out of here? <laughs> uh, not that I can really recall. Um, most of the stuff we get is, like, answers to our questions. Uh, I think one of the main ones I can remember we were at the Kenworthy Hall in Marion, which um, is actually featured in the 13 Ghosts of Alabama book. And we were up in the, uh, it was the Lookout Tower? 
Yeah, it was the lookout tower. And uh, during the Civil War, it was actually used as like a Civil War hospital. And uh, we were up there. I was asking questions to the spirit box. I said, you know, are you here with us? And we'd get, you know, yes, I'm here, something like that. And I asked, did you die in the war? Once again, a voice came through and said, yes. I said, okay, which war did you die in? Plain as day, Civil War. Oh, dude. That was pretty dope. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, going back to the equipment and everything, when did you decide that you wanted to do content? Like, you wanted to make content to release to the masses, other than just keeping these cool experiences to yourself. Some people do do that. They're like, I just want to go do this as a hobby. When did you decide, I want to try to get on TV or get a viral YouTube channel? So when when did that, as a collective unit, when did y'all decide to do that? Well, basically, um, you know, we'd been doing the ghost hunting for years. And um, after the Ghost Adventures episode, you know, just watching how they filmed everything, the way they'd sit up and shoot, like, B-roll shots. I mean, it was really, it was really cool to me. I was like, I want to do something like that. And a friend of mine, he actually worked with a TV studio in Summerton at the time. Um, you know, we got to talking one night, we was at a bonfire, and we got to talk about the paranormal, and he brought up the point, you know, I work for a TV studio, I might could get us something on the air. So, um, we all just kind of sat down as a group at the bonfire, and we started talking about this idea, and, um... That turned into what we were calling the Paranormal Project. And uh, we went and filmed two episodes of the Paranormal Project. And then we had some issues come up with the studio. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, they kept all of our tapes. Because we were using their studio cameras. And we caught some really good evidence on those. Uh, we had taken some personal cameras and caught a few things. But not nearly what we caught on the studio cameras. So once they shelved our tapes, killed the project, there was about a two or three year span where just we'd just go out and ghost hunt. You know, we weren't filming for a TV series. And um, one day I was at work, and I was driving around on my forklift, taking some drums of bleach into one of our warehouses. And I got to thinking about that experience we had, because uh, the first place we ever went was the Jemison Van de Graaff Mansion for the Paranormal Project, and that's in Tuscaloosa as well. And I just got to thinking back to that, and I was like, I'd really love to go back. I'd kind of want to pick back up on this, you know, series. So I uh, got to talking to my friend again, and uh, he had actually moved from the Summerton TV studio to become a manager in Coleman at one of their TV studios. He said, you know, I kind of run this one, so I can be in charge of all that. So we started booking places to go investigate for the show... And uh, he kept all the content, and uh, it just seemed like it was taking a really long time for him to sit down and get stuff put together. Yeah. One day I was sitting there and I was like, Man, "It's been like, you know, three or four months since we filmed this episode. I kind of think maybe I should just do this myself, you know." So I went and purchased a new computer. I bought a editing program, Pinnacle Studios. And uh, the only thing I'd ever used before that was, like, Windows Movie Maker. Yeah. And I was over there like, yeah, I'm the Windows Movie Maker master. <laughs> and uh, so once I got this new program and there was so much I could do with it, I was a little lost. So um, editing the first episode took me a while just to get everything right and 
how I wanted it, but, you know, over the years and doing all the editing myself, I've learned new ways to do things, and a lot of times I'll go back and I'll watch the first episode, and I'm like, ah, I could have done so much better with this, you know? <laughs> so with the TV studio, I remember, you know, you said you guys were going to be on that channel. I was trying to find any freaking way possible to watch it. And then you just kept saying, you know, it's been extended or something. So I could tell you had a pain in the ass with that whole situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so when you decided, I'm going to do this on my own, when was the moment where you said, I've had enough? Was there a phone call, a text, or was it, you know, this needs to get out to the people because we worked our tails off on, you know, to get the evidence and everything? Yeah. Or was it just, meh, just let's do it ourselves, guys? It was really more of just like, like I said, the time constraint is more of, um, you know, we've gone out, we've put on Facebook, hey, we're going here tonight, and months would go by, and, you know, at the time, I think we only had like, Three. Two or three episodes in. Yeah, we were about two or three episodes in. At the time, we only had about one, two hundred likes on Facebook. But even then, it was like, these people, you know, they liked our page for a reason. They want to see something. So we got to get something out there. So that's when I kind of took charge of it. And like I said, I've just been working on episodes left and right. Um, mostly in my spare time when I get spare time, which is kind of hard to come by these days. Um... My son, he'll actually sit down and he'll work on episodes with me and he gives me his input. He'll be like, take that there, cut that there, put music there. And I'm like, yes, sir. Kind of so, like the giving the deck controller to him. Oh, to yeah. To play video games with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, basically. And, um, you know, it actually got to the point where he'd actually sit down and, like, I'd work on a full episode and he'd be there by my side the entire time just taking it all in. So in the credits, I've actually started putting in there, edited by Kevin Walden and Gage Walden. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Oh, yeah. And um, he actually downloaded some kind of editing software on his PlayStation. It's called, like, Share Factory. And uh, you can basically take game clips or anything you find on there, edit them together, put music to them, put titles. And when I'm not working on an episode in there and he's with me, that's what he's doing. He's in the living room on the PlayStation, putting together his own videos and putting music to them. <laughs> Better watch it. He make him asking for royalty rights one day. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, mm -hmm. keep an eye on you. He's going to start his own ghost hunt group. That's yeah, true. <laughs> Gage's ghost hour or something. <laughs> hey, every parent tells their kid, do better than what I did. Exactly. So, um, so when you are when you decided to start your YouTube channel, it took off, didn't it? When you started doing it on your own. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, as soon as we put that first episode up, because so many people had been anticipating it, and uh, just adding more posts to our Facebook page and people sharing that stuff. And before I know it, we went from like one to 200 likes on Facebook to like 5,000 likes. And people were like, man, when are we going to see this episode? And I was like, well, it's airing in Coleman. But how can everyone else see it? So I had like this old YouTube channel I'd started years ago just for ghost hunting stuff. I was like, I'm going to change the name on it. We'll put the episodes there. And originally, I was just going to leave them on there for like a week at a time and take them off. That way, the TV station can continue airing them. After a while, it's like, I feel like we're getting more more recognition off of the YouTube channel. So why don't we just stick with this? And um, our first episode, I think the last time I checked it, it had like 14, 15,000 views on it or 
somewhere along in there. And our total views is like over 100,000. Uh, we're almost up to 1,000 subscribers. I think we're close to 8,000 likes on Facebook. And like I said, I never imagined that at all when we sat down and came up with this concept. I never saw that happening. Me either. Kevin would just like text me at work. He's like, dude, we got like 1,000 likes. And I'm like, holy crap. And then the next thing we know, it's like, oh, we got 2,000 likes. And <laughs> once we started putting the episodes on YouTube and people had a way that they could see them like, so easily. like We were getting comments from people in Australia and all over the place. Oh, yeah, all over the world. We've actually been featured on a few other YouTube channels as well that does paranormal stuff. Really? Uh, yeah. I found that out uh, one day just watching YouTube. Yeah, and, watching yeah. yeah, I came across it just completely out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you like them on Facebook, you need to go subscribe to their YouTube channel because they can make money off of YouTube more than they would off Facebook. Just a social media tactic for you all out there. Please. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> when you started the content creation... Did you pre-map where you were going to go to film all these episodes based off, like, did you rank them, like, scariest to maybe the most meh and shoot to go there? Um, actually, it takes a lot to get into a lot of these places. Um, there's several places, like, basically, I'll just look online, like, you know, haunted places in Alabama, and a lot of the places we go are historical sites, and, you know, you'll send out letters or call or shoot emails and to be honest with you a lot of the places they don't want that kind of publicity you know um, a lot of them are like family attractions and they don't want you know i guess kids coming in and being like i'm scared to be here anything like that which i totally understand but um, a lot of it's just making that phone call or shooting that email and hoping and praying for the best um when we shot our first episode of alabama's so most haunted it was the drish mansion and uh, I contacted the owner, and they were actually in the process of basically re rebuilding the whole place because we'd been in there once before, and it was it was a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was like, "We're still in the middle of you know fixing it up. Do you mind that?" And we're like, "No, oh, that's fine." So um, after we went there, we filmed that, started contacting other places, and before I knew it, we actually had places contacting us about investigating, which is really cool. You built that cloud up a little bit. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Back to Drish, I think you think you feel like they the spirits might have been a little more pissed off that they were tearing the place up and trying to fix it. Because I, you know, I've seen places where like, oh, you don't disturb this or it'll get them stirred up. Did you feel like this may be a key moment to go capitalize on, or we're exactly we just we gonna thought. go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that was pretty much our thoughts exactly. Because as soon as she said they were doing all this remodeling, I was like, that's. That's got to stir something up, and I feel like it did, because um, at one point, way back in the day, it was actually some kind of a church, and they had a, like, baptismal down in there, mm -hmm. and um, I decided for, like, an isolation session, I would climb down in there and let them close the lid on me, just let me stay down there in the dark. I remember that clip. Oh, yeah. And um, I just remember laying up under there, and... Um, I would look out to the little slack, because like, it wouldn't sit down completely. Everybody else was upstairs, and I was looking through the little hole into the main room, and there was this black mass that kept walking in front of all the windows. So I'd hit everybody up on the radio, I'm like, is there anybody downstairs with me right now? And they're like, no, we're all up here right now. And um, you know, I set a camera up to film that, 
And if you watch the first episode, the first time it pops up, you can kind of see it, but it's like you really have to be looking for it. The second time that it happens, you see it very well. You just see the window, you see me sitting there staring out, and then this black mass just covers one of the windows and then moves to the left side. And while this was going on, um, Rachel had left an audio recorder on the piano because they still had like, I don't know if it was an original piano or just one that was put in there or what, but she left an audio recorder there. And at the same time, this black shadow was moving through the uh, main room there. She caught audio that says evil is here. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd be like, all right, well, I'm out of here on that note. Um, You know, when... You you go to investigations. You typically spend the night in these places, like so. You're from there from like eight to eight, maybe from or from dark dusk to dawn, basically. Uh, basically, when we go to these places, um, you know, with our personal lives and so much going on, you know, I got me and Kayla. We have three kids, so um, you know, it's finding a babysitter, somebody to watch the kids for the night. Uh, we'll actually leave out very early in the morning, and um. We'll get to these places, and we'll spend the day filming interviews and B-roll shots and making fun of each other and just cutting up, having a good time. Checking out the beautiful city, too, that uh, oh, yeah, we'll, these places reside in. Yeah, we'll go through the city and just take in all the sites, and that, that's one thing I really love about being able to do this show is we actually get to see so much of Alabama. It's like, man, this is kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll... We'll spend the night in most places. Some places they don't really allow it. Um, so we'll stay there till like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then somebody will meet us, and they'll be like, all right, we're going to lock up if you guys are good, and we'll go stay in a hotel or something. But um, it's just it's crazy to think, you know, we get to stay the night in these historic homes from, like, the 1800s, and, you know, we woke up in Kenworthy Hall and had a homemade breakfast. And, oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. <laughs> So when you're editing your episodes, if you're there anywhere from seven to ten hours, how do you pick what pick and choose what to condense down into an episode? Because you know you could hear somebody thumping a bottle. You're like, oh, that might have been something, but it probably needs to be edited out. Just so you can, do you get like the highlights in there, or do you try to get as much as possible in? Uh, basically, you know, we go through. We'll we'll basically film the whole trip, and um, like you said, it, it's kind of a it kind of sucks having to sit down and go through everything, because usually when we get home, we're like, let's check out and see what we got, and we'll start watching, and there's just a lot of nothing going on. It's like, starting to doze off over here, starting to doze off. Then something will happen. It's like, okay, let me write that time frame down. So a lot of it's just going through, watching the videos, going over audio, uh, pinpointing exactly when things happen. And then when I put the episodes together, that's one of the main things that takes time. Is It's kind of like a big puzzle. You know, you got to figure out how is this going to flow, where should I put this, when should this happen. So um, I'll go through my list of all the stuff that did happen, and I'll work everything around to where I can put a voiceover in, explain what's about to happen, what people are about to see. And, uh, I mean, it's a big challenge, but I like it. It's it's fun. How many man hours do you think it takes in the one episode? Do all of y'all work on the episode, or is it just you and your son? Uh, just me and my son. <laughs> We're set up in his little room. I got Batman sitting over watching me do all that stuff. Uh, as far as putting an episode together, 
I'd say a one-hour episode probably takes me about 10 to 12 hours max. And that's just fine-tuning everything, tweaking everything, making sure the clips are just right, make sure nothing overlaps something, uh, sound levels. I mean, it's it's tedious work, but it's it's worth it. You just you have to be careful. You you're careful with quality control. Like you don't want to put out crappy content, so you pay attention to the finest details, don't you? Oh yeah. You have definitely. to when you're a content creator. Definitely, definitely. Any advice for any people wanting to start a YouTube channel? Like when it comes to editing, is there any kind of advice you have for them? Uh, definitely check your sound levels when you record. Because we bought the shotgun mic, and um, it had different settings on it. One of them was just kind of a flat, like, you know, it'd pick up everything around it. One setting was it would pick up what was directly in front of it. And then one setting, which I don't know why they put it on there, was what's on the ground. It would capture anything ground level. And we filmed an interview one time, and did the whole interview. I got to looking at it after we finished. It was on that ground level. I'm like, oh, man. So I played it back, I was listening to it, and all you can hear is a low rumble of our talking, <laughs> and then the leaves just whoosh, 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 whoosh. It's picking up a little bit more of the high end than your your voices. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, definitely pay attention uh, to your sound levels, um, get a good editing program, because like I said, I was using Windows Movie Maker, I thought it was I was doing something really amazing with that. <laughs> And then I switched over to that new one, and there was just so many more options. And you, know, you can give it like an artsy look or or all that kind of stuff, add effects. So, I mean, definitely invest in good editing software. See, when I started all of this, a fellow podcaster told me, don't be surprised if you have to re-record an interview. I was like, I'm too much of a perfectionist. Like, there are things I care that are, have to be perfected, and then there's some things... You can ask my wife, like, I don't care if they're perfected because she gets on to me about it. <laughs> but, you know, she's like, don't be, don't be surprised if you have to call somebody and be like, hey, the interview wasn't, you know, quality, the sound quality. And I was like, no. See, my dad used to be a sound tech. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. I'm going to get him in here, set everything up. That way, all I have to do is press record <clears throat> and edit from there. So, you, you learn the hard way. I mean, it's, it's easy to, have this idea and then fail the first time. And for content creators out there, you have to keep grinding. If that's what you truly love, you have to keep grinding, right? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. We'll get back into the paranormal because that's, you know, you guys have some awesome stories, I'm sure. <laughs> so, <clears throat> do you strictly investigate Alabama right now? Have you gone, you know, I told you about that Belvere Inn and Winery in Kansas City. I experienced some crap over there <laughs> and you know, it just felt eerie. So, you know, I remember sending you that, but is there any places outside of Alabama? Like you're like, we need to get in there. Uh, there is a lot of places outside of Alabama. Where we'd love to go. Um, you know, Alabama, it's kind of easier at the moment to just do Alabama because, you know, we've all got nine to five jobs or, you know, families to worry about. Um, one place we've always wanted to go is Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember any places outside of Alabama we've been. Do you guys remember? No, I think we haven't I mean, we, we've had some invites um, to places in like Mississippi and stuff. 
when we were doing the paranormal project before our tapes got shelved and project was killed, we had a couple of places in Mississippi lined up, and I think we had one in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, you know, I had to email all them and be like, "Hey, show kind of what the way of the warrior." So we apologize. But uh, as of right now, it's more just Alabama. There's a lot more places that are haunted in Alabama than people typically think, isn't there? Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, everybody's had that moment. They'll be driving down a the road they've never been down before, and next thing you know, there's this old Victorian-looking house, and the lightning flashes right behind it, and the bats are flying out, and you're like, 20 people died there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you... I know you said you had a, a book or whatever, the 13 most haunted places now. How do you think outside the box? Like, outside the book, in this case? Um, You know, I've been reading that book since I was very little. Uh, just reading those stories when I was a kid, I was like, this is really cool. I'm never going to go to these places ever. This scares the crap out of me, you know. Um, it was one of the main inspirations for the series because we tried to get into those places, which we've got two of them covered. The Drish Mansion and Kenworthy Hall were both featured in there. Um, some of the places in there, they don't exist anymore. Unfortunately, they were destroyed by time or man or what have you. But, you know, back when we were doing this, the whole ghost hunting thing before the show honestly just every friday night after school or whatever we'd hop in the car and just cruise up down the roads at night and try to find something spooky looking there's a lot of trespassing and yeah <laughs> dumbness on our part <laughs> back in the day but you know we were young we didn't think much about it um all the places we go to now you know we make sure we get permission and if they need like a film permit we try to work to get a film permit yeah, that, that's another thing. Uh, if you're going to go ghost hunting, make sure you know who owns the property or get that permission because don't be us in the day, back in the day. <laughs> We're Alabama. You will get a shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back to the places that you have been in Alabama. What's the most haunted local? And I, when I say local, I mean Walker County. What's the most haunted place you've been <clears throat> around here? As far as Walker County goes, I would probably have to say Little Vine Cemetery. Shout out to Empire. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, when we first started ghost hunting, we got online, and one of the main stories was, you know, there's like this green orb of light that floats to the cemetery at nighttime when you go there. And so, you know, we'd go up there basically every weekend and just hang out in the graveyard at night, as weird as that may sound. But, you know, we've seen, we've heard some things there. Felt some things there. Yeah, felt some things there. Yeah, Sean, seems like every time we take Sean somewhere, he's the one that gets, like, touched or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> Or have something go through me. Or yeah, something. My whole arm goes numb or something crazy. <laughs> or I get scratched. Yeah, yeah, he, he's gotten scratched before. When you start going to Little Vine, Empire does have an eeriness about it. Oh, yeah. you know we grew, we both grew up there, didn't we? You, yep. You're from Empire, also. Yep. You know it has a natural eeriness about it. Now it's just because it's eerie because you don't know if you're gonna get stabbed or not. <laughs> that is true. But uh, you know, I think there's a lot of his, history there that not a lot of people know about, and that we may not even know about. So, do you think something may have inhabited that graveyard at some point, or do you think it's just you know natural spirits that have been buried there? Uh, that I'm not too sure of, because um, I don't know exactly when the cemetery was established, but I know at some point during like the Civil War, 
uh, one of the groups moved up through that area. And uh, there's actually a farm not too far from where we live, and when the guy was starting on the farmlands, you know, he'd be, like, digging the ground up. He'd be digging up, like, guns and all kind of stuff from the Civil War, so I don't know if, like, battles might have taken place on that land, or if it's just cemetery, you know? Yeah. Um, probably one of the weirdest things we've ever had happen at Little Vine. We kept hearing what sounded like a little girl. Like we'd be up at the top of the cemetery, and it would sound like a little girl was laughing towards the bottom. We'd go down to the bottom, sound like she was laughing up towards the top. So it kind of felt like she was playing hide-and-seek with us. Mm. So uh, one night, Sean, he, he said, uh, well, you were going to count to ten and let her go hide or something? Yeah, yeah, we started trying to play hide-and-seek. Yeah, so he like propped up against the tree and started counting to ten, and all of a sudden it sounded like... A little girl just took off through the leaves. You could hear the... Yeah. But you didn't see anything. And then uh, I think it was the same night, we walked back up towards the top of the cemetery, and we looked down, and there was this tree right in the middle. And all of a sudden, it was like this little girl just leaned out to the side, and you could see like her hair hanging down, and then she slowly turned back in <laughs> behind the tree, and we ran over there because, you know, we ain't afraid of no ghost. <laughs> and uh, there was nothing there. So it, it, that, that was crazy. Outside of Walker County, out of everywhere you've been, where's the most other? Let's let's exclude Sauce and Bryce because yeah. that's like the hot spots that everybody knows about. What's a low key most haunted spot in Alabama? Uh, definitely the most low key spot with uh, some of the most amazing things we've ever seen is the Crooked Creek Civil War Museum in Coleman. Yep. Um, I was hoping you were about to say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't even know that place existed. I think Rachel and Jonathan yeah. stumbled across it on a date or something. Yeah, we were just driving through, and all of a sudden I see this museum. I'm like, hey, let's go here. <laughs> and then I find out that it's a battleground, too. Sweet. Yeah, it was a battleground. Uh, there's a museum there. There's a cabin you can rent out and stay the night in that's haunted. And uh, when we first went there, we didn't know what to expect. I was like, well, I don't know, this, this guy kind of got this, you know, Scooby-Doo villain thing going on. Um, maybe. So uh, we started setting up equipment and just kind of talking amongst ourselves one night when we were setting up. And I think the front door of the cabin swung open and like there was no wind blowing. The door was latched. And um, pretty soon after that, we started the investigation and just the things we would see and hear and catch on video, that's actually, uh, we've got one of the episodes of Crooked Creek. We shot two there. Um, I'm going to be working on the second one soon. Um, at one point, I'd walk down to the battlefield by myself. Now, mind you, it was like January something. is about 18 degrees. <laughs> I go walking down the hill, and the guy that owns the place, he lives in a little house next to the museum. He cracked the door open. He's like, you going down to the battlefield? I was like, yeah, he's like, well, there's some mountain lions out that way. You might want to watch out for them. I was like, cool. If I don't get possessed, I'm going to get slaughtered by a mountain lion. <laughs> but um, I walked down there, and I'm just asking questions. And I was about to uh, set off some fireworks, kind of represent like gunfire. And all of a sudden, my battery just completely dies on the camera. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take it back up here and charge it. Well, I go to walk up the hill. And up towards the top of the hill, it looked like somebody was holding like a lantern. And it was just kind of swinging from side to side. 
And um, I remembered back to one of the interviews we'd shot earlier that day, a girl had the same thing happen to her. She uh, she claimed they were at the bottom of the hill, looked up and saw a lantern. And as I'm thinking about that and staring at this lantern, right in my ear, it sounded like somebody said, there he is. And the lantern went away. I went back up the hill, caught up with uh, Rachel and Kayla. They were in the museum, and they asked me if I just made a noise outside. And I was like, no. And they're like, we heard this crazy just... Or something like that. Some kind of crazy sound. And uh, we actually caught that on their camera's audio. And uh, it's in the episode. Well, later that night, we all decided to go back down to the battlefield. It was getting real late. And uh, as soon as we get down there, one by one, all the cameras just started dying. We've been charging them for two, three hours while we were taking a break. All of them had full charge. But as soon as we got down to the battlefield... One by one, they all just started to die. And all of a sudden, Jonathan kind of looks off to the side, and he's like, I think I see that lantern you were talking about. And off in the woods, sure enough, there was a lantern just kind of swinging there, and it seemed like the closer we got to it, the farther away it would get, like it was leading us mm-hmm. somewhere. And the crazy too uh, thing about this lantern was uh, the area that we were heading to was a hill, and the lantern just kept on going back and back and back, and it uh, and eventually, we started going up to this hill, and then I made the realization, we were following a lantern that was going through a hill. Hmm. Like, the hill stopped us. We yeah. had to turn back around and stuff. It was weird. <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was strange. Where is this in, where is this in Colton? Uh, I've been around Colton quite a bit. I've never seen it. Um, I think it's Vinemont. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's in Vinemont. Up 31. Uh believe so. I know it's, um, I couldn't tell you exactly where. <laughs> it's near West Point. Near West Point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I could probably find it from there. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, cabin though, I can remember we were shooting our intro and um, I kind of fling the door open and usually when we film episodes, like I said, we kind of joke around a little bit too, just have a little fun with it. Well, I fling the door open, I'm about to say my line, you know, we're staying the night here, uh, my name's Kevin Walton, uh, real official. I fling the door open, I'm just like, like Zoic Scoober, totally <laughs> in a haunted cabin, man. <clears throat> Jonathan's laughing, all of a sudden he's like, did you hear that? And I stop, and sure enough, up in the loft, it sounded like somebody was stomping around, or opening a cabinet or something. Mm-hmm. So we go up there, and there's nobody up there, of course, because, you know, we've all been at the cabin. Well, Sean sits down on the bed, and I'm filming him, and all of a sudden this mist of light kind of appears to the right side of the screen, flies over, and shoots right down into his legs. Yeah, and right when that happened, like, I go, whoa, and I had no idea what he was seeing on the camera, but I just feel this, like, tingling sensation on my calf, and it feels like somebody just grabs a hold of my leg and, like, squeezes and, like, lets it go, and then squeezes and lets it go or something. And he's like, what just happened? And I'm like, dude, it feels like something's grabbing my leg. And he's like, dude, I just caught like an orb or something flew straight down to your leg. And I was like, for real? <laughs> he was like, yeah, dude. And he was like, do you still feel it? And I kept feeling it. And eventually it felt like it was grabbing both my legs and stuff. And my eyes were like watering and everything. And we started hearing noises downstairs. And Oh, yeah. That was a, mm-hmm, you going to learn today <laughs> for that sarcastic intro. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> 
fans don't even know what Scooby Doo is. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama's most haunted, more like Alabama most scared. <laughs> For anybody out there that has doubts about the paranormal, how would you? What would you suggest for them to learn or, you know, to either cast their doubts aside or keep their doubts, whichever one they choose to do? Well, uh, you know, like I said before, we've been doing this for 12, 13 years. I've talked to a lot of people who believe in the paranormal, but at the same time, I've talked to a lot of people who don't. Um, You know, everybody's entitled to their opinion on it. Um, The way we look at it, we've been to these places, we've experienced these things, and a lot of people who claim not to believe in it you know, they haven't. And I think what it is, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit they're scared to try it. You know, because Hollywood paints such a picture of, like, you know, all this ghost stuff. You know, you walk into an abandoned building and ladies swinging from the rafters with solid white eyes, you know. <laughs> the walls are, like, bleeding. Yeah, the walls are bleeding. And, I mean, it's it's really not like, there's a lot of times you're just sitting there in a dark room going, is there anybody here with me tonight? Silence. Yeah. But, um... You know, it's kind of funny. I'll be talking to, you know, skeptics. And, you know, when I first start talking to them about it, and they kind of see I'm not one of those people that's all like, well, you better believe, or, you know, by God. Um, You know, after I just kind of talk to them, tell them some of our experiences and stuff, they kind of start to relax a little bit. And they're like, well, there was this one time back when I was, you know, a teenager or something, and they'll tell me about something they've also experienced. So I, I think a lot of people just don't want to accept that there's something else out there. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people are kind of scared of it, like I said. And, I mean, that's totally cool. I mean, nothing wrong with that. It's just some people don't want to accept it, you know. I think that's a, that's I agree with you. Most people think ghosts aren't real. I'm never going to experience it. And then when they do experience it, they're, oh, maybe these guys are on to something. Yeah. Or maybe these people are still here. They just don't. And some people, I think, do you think their belief comes from the fact they want somebody to still be there? Do you think they manifest that, or is the person still there? Do you think that's why they believe? I believe so. I know um, some of the places we've been, you know, people will tell us, well, I feel like it's, you know, my aunt or my dad or uncle or somebody. So um, it's actually kind of crazy. A lot of the places we go to where people tell us they have the most activity, usually we don't get a lot. It's the places, you know, the kind of the hole-in-the-wall places like that Civil War Museum where the stuff happens, and a lot of the times with the places where people say all this craziness is going on, they're like, oh, it's my so-and-so, it's my so-and-so, and I kind of feel like a lot of it is just them, you know, with like wishful thinking and right. just holding on to who they used to have or something of that nature. You know, I think... I believe that in soul ties, and you know, if you have an object they were close to still around, you may feel their presence, but it's not their spirit in whole. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's their energy residue. Yeah. yeah. What's in the future for Alabama's Most Haunted? Is there any huge ambitions? <laughs> Making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world's most haunted. Yeah, the world's most haunted. Um, really, we're just... I mean, we're just putting this stuff out there just so people can see, you know, what we experience. Um, you know, we're not like most ghost hunting shows where they try to keep it all serious and all this stuff. You know, we'll add in our own little twists and stuff to it just to show, you know, we're human being too. Um, as far as plans for the future, we're just going to keep going as many places as we can. 
uh, putting the episodes together, um, expanding into different states, and maybe changing from Alabama's Most Haunted into, you know, the South's Most Haunted or something. Just start a slow, steady takeover of the world. Yeah. You know? yeah trying to build that <laughs> fan base even further. If we can get out of the state, that'd be cool. There's a lot of places we'd like to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, even if it doesn't amount to anything else after what we've got right now, I mean, I think we're all cool with that. I think I think you can accomplish anything that you choose to. And who knows, maybe here in a couple of years you'll be pitching to a huge studio. Where it's <laughs> like, okay, crazy. we're going to hire you. You no longer have to hold your own camera. We'll do that for you. You know, based off what people see on TV, what you experience in real life, what's the difference between what people see sitting on their couch versus what you see sitting on a haunted couch, I guess. <laughs> uh, basically, you know, you can see a lot of stuff on TV, and I mean, I've been guilty of it too. I'll be watching ghost hunting shows, and something crazy will happen. It's just like, I don't know, I kind of feel like that might be doctored a little bit. But uh, just being in these places and actually witnessing, you know, like something slide across the table or... Something like that. I mean, it really gives you a different outlook on it. Yeah, and like, especially too, like if you feel something, and it's hard to explain that to somebody if they can't see it. That's why I love when something crazy will happen where Kevin caught that orb right when I was feeling my leg being touched and stuff. It's like, most of the time people just think you're crazy, or you're just putting on an act for TV, but we don't fake anything, and if nothing's going on, then... We'll be like, oh man, this episode kind of blows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the episodes I sit down, I'm like, I'm really going to have to stretch to make this somewhat entertaining. <laughs> so like, do you feel like when major TV programs, like they come into a dead spot where there's no activity, they're like, hey, somebody pay somebody to go knock on this window over here or, you know, cast a shadow or have somebody drive by so we catch like a lot reflection or something. Do you think they do that also? Because... You know, not every, not everywhere you're going to go to is haunted or the spirits are going to present themselves. Uh, yeah, that's kind of touched back on what I said earlier. You know, the places where people say it's crazy here, we don't really get nothing. Um, I do feel like a lot of the TV shows that have been on for a while, you know, like Ghost Adventures, for example, you can go back and watch their first couple of seasons and you can tell what they're saying and what they're experiencing is, you know, real. Whereas there are later seasons, it kind of seems like it's kind of gotten a little out there, you know? It just yeah. it seems like Zach's getting possessed every episode or something, yeah. and it's just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of feel like you might be, you know, kind of stretching at it now, but uh, yeah, as far as actually being in a haunted place as compared to watching it on TV, it's a, it's a completely different feeling. You should start some kind of Patreon program to where whoever signs up, they could be like, entered into a a drawing to go into the next investigation with you. You know, like, that's a good way to make money also at Patreon. Uh, we've, we've actually done something similar to that before. Um, we had a drawing for a couple of people to join us at uh, the Civil War Museum. It was yeah. a lot of people, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, more people than we were <laughs> we had to split in a group. anticipating. Uh, we had people coming in from, like, Mississippi and people driving up from Mobile. and Which was really cool. True. I hope they had a good time. We had some things happen, but... It feels like when there's a big group of people, you don't really get as much. Yeah. To me, when it's more of a bare-bones skeleton crew kind of thing, that's when the things will happen. I don't know if maybe the spirits, if there's just so much going on, they can't show themselves. Or You think that they have that wolf mentality as to where it's when it's 
like one of you, the pack knows they can take you down, but it's you know it's a big group that kind of turn and run. Yeah, yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel because you know we do the we'll do the isolation sessions and stuff, and it seems like when we do those, that's when we get the most stuff. Yeah, that's when we get the craziest things. Um, that's like Sean. First time we went to the Jimison Van de Graaff Mansion. Uh, me and Kayla, we were up on the second floor. I think Rachel and Jonathan were down in the basement. Uh, classic Scooby-Doo split up. Uh, Sean was in this little office room. And like the whole day, every time we walked into that little office room, something just felt off about it. And uh, he was sitting in there, and he calls us on the radio. He's like, is there anybody like on this floor? No. And he's like, Something keeps rattling the doorknob to the room. He had the door shut. And he's like, I feel like something's on the other side of the door rattling the doorknob. And uh, sure enough, that door slowly (laughs) popped open, creaked open. He's calling us on the radio. We go down there. We close the door, and all of us took turns sitting in that room. And every single one of us experienced that doorknob twisting and then the door popping open. Wow. So... You know, each of you have experienced something. Oh yeah. Would the la- very last question? Would you ins- would you hope to inspire people that have any doubts about the paranormal that are curious? Would you in- hope they would be inspired to go try something, even if it's just a graveyard, just go sit in it for a couple of hours at night? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, you just know, just be careful with what you're doing. Huh? Yeah, yeah, true that. Definitely yeah. be like, careful. Don't, don't be stupid about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, definitely, because, um, you know, even if you go out and you don't believe or if you don't catch anything, just the experience alone is something amazing. You know, going all these places and learning the history, I mean, it really gives you an appreciation for what we got going on in the state. Right. Alabama is haunted, <laughs> and this is Alabama's most haunted. Guys, I want to thank you for coming on. We're going to go through the last shots real quick. No, all right. It's a 30-second blast of questions. I always tell everybody that comes on, if you win, you get nothing. If you lose, you get nothing. So we're going to go through these real quick. Anybody that wants to answer, feel free to jump in. It's like Hungry hungry Hippos over here. Yeah, very much so. (laughs) All right, so you ready? Let's go. Favorite horror movie? Not a Living Dead. Friday the 13th, part four. Um, Skip. Grab Counters. Favorite musician? Billy Joe. Oh, who? Miss Fitz. Billy Joe Armstrong. He's my favorite musician. Bert from the youth. I can't think of his last name right now. McCracken. Is it McCracken? Bert Rob, McCracken. Rob Zombie. All right, this one's kind of dark, but I want to ask you all this. Murder weapon of choice. I would have to say machete. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I guess I like a good kitchen knife. A knife made out of ice. Axe. <laughs> all right. That's the end of the last shots with Alabama's Most Haunted. Guys, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on. And uh, hopefully when you get a few more episodes back, we'll have you back on and talk about some more uh, some more experiences. Oh, sounds good. So, Kevin, Sean, it's nice seeing you again. It's good to see you. It's nice meeting you all. <laughs> Jonathan, you graduated with my brother, with my brother didn't you? Good, yeah. yeah, awesome. <laughs> all right, guys. There, like I said, I want to keep some Walker County ties in this podcast. I love what these guys are doing. I've, I've followed them for as long as possible. If you don't believe in ghosts, you should. They exist. If you don't, you should watch their YouTube channel because they do produce quality content. Kevin, if you don't mind telling us where they can find your socials at real quick. Uh, yeah, we've got a Facebook page. Uh, just 
search Alabama's Most Haunted, we should pop up. We have an Instagram, but I don't think we ever use it. Ever. We also have a Twitter that's almost Yeah, we have a Twitter that hasn't been touched in years. (laughs) Um, As far as YouTube goes, um, our channel's just Alabama's Most Haunted. Um, You know, you can go check us out, check out all the episodes. It's got behind-the-scenes footage, um, previews for episodes, all kinds of... Subscribe. Yes, subscribe. Hit that like and subscribe (laughs) button. Smash that like button. Smash that like button. All right, awesome. So you guys, please, please, please go check Alabama's Most Haunted out. They put out quality content. Like I said, you're going to love it. If anything, you're going to love the character of these people because knowing Kevin and Sean, I love these guys. And once again, thanks again for coming on. And for everybody listening, we will see you next time on Pass the Jar.